Welcome to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at thecrossing.cc. Can we give our, our students a, a hand here? I always appreciate the honor they extend. That's just fantastic. Just know this, you guys have been born into a generation. You didn't ask to be born into it. I didn't ask to be born into the one I'm born in. And you guys take a lot of flack from people like me talking about what you can and can't do and all this stuff. Just, just know this, you were selectively created by God for the day you were born into and you are well up for this, all right? God's got a plan for all of y'all. I have full faith in what's coming up behind me. I am going to die and leave y'all eventually, but uh, y'all can handle this. Praise God. Well, good morning to you. We are in uh, something we call 37 days in the first service. I get to try it. If you don't know, I try out the message on the first service <laughs> and figure out what works and what doesn't. And, and uh, I tried to review way too much in the first service because I actually didn't get to preach my message. Uh, but it was a wonderful intro, just so you know that. But I do want you to know, I can't review all that has brought us to this point now because we're too many Sundays in, but I want to encourage, if you're very new with us or you haven't seen any of the last several messages, they all, they kind of help the next one coming up. So please go online, look at, watch the messages from the first part of the year, and it'll help you understand why we're speaking about Elijah. Why are we in First Kings? We are in something that we call 37 days. What is 37 days, Pastor Randy? Every year, at the first of the year, we take the first 37 days of the year. Why 37? It's a tenth. It's a tithe. Uh, we're not trying to be legal. That never was my heart to be legal. I just wanted to find a way to, to give the first part of my year, just like I give the first part of my finances to God. I want God first in everything because when that order is right, it you can't hardly mess up the rest of the order if you get him first. You just really can't. So he can, as long as he's first, anything else can be fixed. And so this is how we give our time. And it's, it's a 15, roughly, let him take you 15 minutes. But it's a, a, a devotional and a prayer for every single day. And we're praying the same things. And um, I'm preaching messages to launch the, launch the, the next week's set of uh, devotionals that we're going to go into. Those devotionals follow our mission. Everybody say Mission. Our mission is to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you wonder what my mind's on, what our teams are on, what our elders are thinking on, it's how to help you and us get better at knowing God, not as an event, but as a lifestyle. We just keep, we just keep growing. You can't figure him all out. You just keep going that direction. How do we continually find freedom? You're never going to be 100% totally free until you drop the thing that attracts unfreedom, if that's even a word. But this flesh is just attracts all kinds of nastiness and stuff and habit and just, it's just part of the planet. Nothing to be freaked out about, but there's freedom provided in the scripture and it's provided by truth. And so it's a constant lifestyle. Last week in our devotional, we were going through, how do you do that? How do I break off old wounds, uh, things my dad said to me, things I got stuck in my mind? How do I break that off and actually live the way Christ said I could live? All the devotionals last week were on fine freedom. This week, it's discover purpose. Next week, it'll be make a difference because we, I want you, one thing that is just key to this church is awakening the purpose of God for you in this life, all right? 
Uh, we have been in, and this is where it's tough for a preacher, just so go back and look at the messages, okay? Just please. Uh, so I won't review, but we have been in 1 Kings looking at Elijah the prophet and his role, which was to call people to commit to God. Our nation is filled with all kinds of mixture. Even the Christian faith that we have evolved to, it's, it's so optional, it's hard to distinguish it from anything else. The word of God, the, the prophetic voice to the church in 2020, right this second, it is saying to the church, I want you to get separated. Don't, don't dislike people, but in your own heart, you need to know I'm, I'm either God or I am not. And if something else is a better God than God, then go serve it. But it isn't God plus other options. God is calling for something special. So we talked about that. Uh, we also saw how Elijah, this great prophet, also was human like me and you. And uh, he went through a depression, a discouragement. And uh, that's when we launched the Find Freedom stuff. Uh, while, though, and you can turn to oh, 1 Kings 19, while Elijah was in the cave uh, on the mountain talking to God, God starts to talk to him about the person we're going to talk about. And he says this to Elijah. Elijah, let's get over your depression and your discouragement. I'm going to pick you up. Let's get back to work. One of the things you're going to do is I've had my eye, and, I've, and, and I have a, a, a young man, uh, his name is Elisha, and Elisha is actually going to be your successor. He's going to follow after you. He doesn't know it. Right now, he's just going to work Monday to Friday, watching the news, eating dinner, and going to bed. Uh, he's just living life, but he, he, he doesn't know. I have a plan for him that's very specific. I want you to go and find Elisha, and I want you to lay your mantle on him, and you're going to train him. Okay, everybody with me? Elisha now, while this is being talked about, and this ought to encourage some of you, Elisha is plowing, the Bible says, and got, he's behind two ox that are out in front of him, big old dumb ox. He's pushing a plow and plowing up field that is likely his. He's with 11 other groups. There's 12 groups out there plowing. God's got his eye on him. He's just going to work every day, working hard, uh, plowing. The land that he's plowing is likely his own probably his dad's. It was their, his dad's after that. It's the family farm. It's his inheritance. It's how he's making his living. And he's going to work every day. But I can guarantee something that's happening in Elisha because it's in some of you. While he's working, he's saying this to himself, surely I know God has something more for me than this. I mean, this is good. I've been blessed. But surely, God, there's more to this than this. You guys know I love football. And there's a, it's very familiar. You can, you can YouTube it. And it's Tom Brady. After Tom Brady won his third Super Bowl, and this is very difficult for me to talk about uh, without crying because I'm a Cowboys fan. But the, the, after he won his third Super Bowl and he married, uh, you know, Giselle or Gazelle or whatever, her supermodel. He's got a supermodel wife. He's got three Super Bowls. He's got a $100 million pro, uh, contract. Uh, man, everything is up and to the right and some for Tom Brady. And he was being interviewed, and the interviewers basically asked, man, what's it like to be you? I mean, gosh, what more could you want? And he was so honest, and this is where I appreciate uh, Brady. He was so honest. He just said, you know, uh, I know it might sound funny to you, but I, I wake up and think, is this all there is? Because uh, whatever version of success you put together, the worst thing you can do is actually reach it and think it's going to scratch the itch that you thought. It's better to not reach it and think, gosh, if only. 
than to actually reach it and be so depressed because what you worked your whole life for didn't do for you what you thought it was gonna do. Well, so in discovering, so, so Elisha's pushing that thing around. He's probably gonna be a wealthy man. Probably all the people plowing work for him, but he's got that thing going on inside of him that's in every single human. Man, isn't there more to my life than this? I mean, am I doing it? In fact, it's the number one question that humanity asks. What am I on this planet to do? What is my purpose? Now, let me help you. So that's what we're gonna talk about today. That's what we're gonna go through this week. And I'm gonna try to point out a little blocking and tackling that you might not have thought of, but to try to help you with it. So here's the deal. When I bring this up to preach about it, some of you have been in church long enough now. If you've been in church the last eight or 10 years, uh, and not just this one anyway, you've heard purpose, 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 purpose. And probably when I say it, you go, oh, great, here we go. Little feel good meaning. I know I'm special. I know there's a plan for my life. I know. Uh, so I want to help you kind of distinguish what we mean when we say purpose, right? When I say it to our young people, to all of us, we get excited about it. However, there's a picture that can go through our mind, and I want to help you with that. When I say, What's the purpose of God for your life? It's a daunting question. It's almost defeating because our mind starts to reach for some well-defined conclusion, like some fun, fa final arrival when my life is really gonna matter, some book that gets done. I'm gonna win Africa when all of Africa is won to Jesus. Uh, I'm gonna solve uh, some disease or fill stadiums or uh, so, uh, be carried off uh, you know, after catching the Super Bowl pass. Our mind starts imagining a grand finale where our life now really matters. And I wanna help you to think, actually get that, get that picture out of your mind. The, the, the purpose of God is, is a process, not an arrival. It's a go towards. All of your walk with God, this will help you, gang. All of your walk with God in this life is a head towards it's not an arrive and drop the microphone. That should take some pressure off of you. I mean, so yes, you can have a grand vision in your mind, okay? But what I find in the conversations I have is that folks go, I'm looking for the purpose of God and they're sitting still waiting for something grand and all the time that's wasted between waiting and grand is really just that, wasted time. And here's what you need to know, there's a point to to that time. And you may never arrive here. The point is start taking small, like I've said before, a thousand small obediences all in the same direction. Take the next step. Uh, let me read this passage to you and I'll, I'll start to, I didn't read this yet, did I? Okay, yes. When you do two services, you don't necessarily know what you've done and not done. Okay. So 1 Kings 19, Elisha's out there plowing. He's got these things going on in his head and it says, Verse 19 says, so Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Saphat, plowing in the field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said to him, first, let me kiss my father and my mother goodbye, then I will go with you. Elijah replied, go on back. But think about what I've done to you. So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. 
He used the wood from the plow to build the fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. I want to talk about, in some ways, how do you respond? What's the process of getting into the purposes of God? And again, like I say, it's, it's, a, it's a process. One of the things that we see right here immediately, we know what God's grand plan is. And we have the ability to, to read a Bible. He, he, he wasn't reading the Bible to figure out who he was and what he's going to do. He's just living his life out. We're looking over our shoulder when we read 2 Kings and see that Elisha was a great man. He didn't know he was a great man or that's what God was going to do. Here's what he knew. I've got an opportunity to leave here. I don't know what that's going to be like, and I don't know the grand plan, but here's what he ended up doing. I'm going to go and serve this great prophet. I'm going to serve. Elisha actually, for 10 years of his life, he didn't know God was talking behind his back going, this guy is going to be a world changer. This guy, frankly, Elijah, he's going to be twice as much as you. This is, this is a, he's, he, I got plans for him. He didn't know God was talking like that behind his back. He was going to work every day, pushing the plow, stepping over stuff. You know what I'm saying? Just, just a yucky job thinking, man, surely there's more to my life than this. The opportunity comes, he gets urgent, and he goes, you know what? I don't know where this all goes, but I can take a step. I'm not waiting for the grand, you know, proclamation that I'm a prophet. I know what I can do next. I'm going to go serve this guy. Can you imagine the conversation as he goes back to talk to mom and dad? Mom and dad, I know this was granddad's farm. It was great granddad's farm. I know the wealth that we have. I know that, that you sent me to A&M to study agriculture and farming and uh, used a lot of your money, and you've got great plans for me. And uh, I don't know how to say this, but God's got something different for me. And uh, I've, I've come to, to kiss all of this goodbye. That's what it says. First, let me go and just kiss it all goodbye. Oh, the sense of urgency there. It, but here's what he did. He started the process. As you are thinking, when I say the word purpose, try to dial back the, the kind of the current thought of what purpose is. You know what it is? It's, it's, time. it's your life and what you're going to do with the time you have with your life. You hear me? So in, instead of thinking 20 years from now, I'll be, think this, this time next year, what does God want me to accomplish now? What do I need to do? It might not be grand. It might be go to school. It might be go find somebody who's doing something like you want to do and serve them quietly. I mean, if you read about Elijah, to me, when I read about Elijah, he seems like a grouchy old man. He just seems grouchy. He wants to be in solitude, doesn't want anybody around him. I kind of, you know, I'm kind of wired this way, so I'm kind of like, I don't want to be a grouchy old man, and my wife will keep me from being that, but I could be, you know, because I like to be alone. I don't bother me. Oh, and he comes across that way. I don't think this was a necessarily a fun thing for Elisha to do, but he realized this. I, you know, I don't know how to be a prophet, but I can serve. Right. I, I can go do so. I can hold a door. Uh, I can go, you know, I can bake cookies. I, I can do something. I can do something. I want to encourage you. You got to start the process or you're going to always be waiting between, Lord, there's something grand going to happen and something grand happening. You'll waste your entire life and do nothing 
Start moving, serve, just start serving. Secondly, uh, this is just housekeeping, by the way. We're not into the message, so I, and I, okay. So housekeeping. When I say the word purpose, think Jesus, not Oprah, okay? Think Jesus, not Oprah. Here's the common sound now. And, and by the way, across, across the planet, there's a, there's a brokenness, and we think that purpose is what the answer is to it. The, the truth of the matter is throughout the planet, because we're away from our Father, there's a deep wound and an, an unaffirmed life is everywhere you look. And being unaffirmed, okay, so here's, here's the Oprah version or just the cultural version of purpose. And if you want to go to Barnes & Noble and look at walls of self-help books, they're all going to take you down a path where where sounds like this. You're special. You're special, girlfriend. And uh, you just deserve, no, it doesn't matter what your dad says, doesn't matter what that, what that man says to you. Okay, what your girlfriend say, you just need to look in the mirror and say, you are special and you deserve it. You, whatever it is, you're just, just, there's nothing like you, there's nobody like you, you're just totally unique and you're just so special. And we start this process of trying to discover purpose, we start it with how special we are. And we start repeating these sentences and all this pablum that is nonsense. Oh, here's a flash news report just in. You don't deserve anything. You don't deserve glory. That's the second little piece of this. When you hear, if you will, and Oprah's a fan, brilliant mind, great businesswoman. I'm not punching at her. I'm just saying she represents a message that rejects God as first. She includes God, but she's very, very much the cultural thing is, yes, we love and honor God and everything else along with him as equal, and we don't distinguish ourselves, and God knows we don't say Jesus. Just, that's, the, that's the cultural tone out here. Look, it's death to you. It is death to you. It's, it, you're not going to fulfill any purpose. Most of the pablum you, that we get when we start there, it starts with you, how special you are and how gifted you are and how precious you are and all this stuff. And the truth of the matter is, the cry is, I'm unaffirmed, and I think if I have this purpose, then, uh, you know, it really it's trying to settle an old scholar with dad who told you, you'll never amount to anything. Well, I'll show them and we're trying to pull off of that energy, and all my family thought I was the black sheep, and I'll show them. And that high school girlfriend that broke up with me, I'm gonna show her, how do you like me now, now that I'm on my way? I mean, <laughs> it's that same energy. It's that same energy that we're pulling off of to try to be something. I'm gonna pick myself up, and the truth of the matter is, it's that's just, gang, that's just all hooey. I mean, you can get a lot done in life trying to unload an old score with your dad. I know somebody very close who, who's accomplished a lot, but here's, here's what he would tell you. I worked as hard as I could to get my dad's attention, and I accomplished a lot in so many areas, and the same brokenness of being unaffirmed that I started with, that I thought purpose was the answer to, I'm still just as broken. Because the unaffirmed, are y'all tracking with me? When I say unaffirmed, it means we're looking for somebody to say, you matter, but not an equal. If I tell myself I matter, what does, I'm just an equal. 
Go to your creator for crying. That's got to be somebody with authority above you to pronounce over you, you matter. Now, if you start with, wait a minute, I don't deserve anything. In fact, the scripture says you deserve hell. You just deserve it, girlfriend. No, you don't. You deserve hell. That's what you deserve. And if you'll start there and realize, wait a minute, what, what, what I'm trying to fix is the unaffirmed life that I've been living. I've been looking for some, I want to do something so grand that somebody affirms me. And I think if I can get all my girlfriends and all get applause, it's going to do it. It will not do it. You humble yourself. You return to the father that we left that created that affirmation wound. You start there. Purpose isn't the answer. Healing is the answer. And it's not easy. It's a lifelong process. It's learning every day to re-receive the love of God because what you received the day before, you'll talk yourself out of it when you get to the next day. That is if you're weird like me. So anyway, so when I say purpose, I'm not talking about the you're so special and you just deserve it and you're going to... I'm talking about God actually did create you to make a particular difference, but it'll never happen, and you'll always feel unaffirmed. If you do not start by humbling yourself, return to your maker, let him begin affirming you, and let him put a fresh and new burden in you for what it really means to live on purpose. The other part of that is, the question is this, who gets the glory for this? Who's going to get the glory for this? This separates separates everything, gang, honestly. Honestly. The, the, the worldly version of purpose has to do with you doing something that gets glory to you. You get carried off. It's your little movie that you're the star of. You know, you get the award and all that. It's not going to scratch the itch. When you, the, 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 the purpose of God I'm speaking about starts with this, Lord, I don't care if I've ever noticed. My name doesn't need to be making your name famous. Oh, pastor, this is just all Christian talk. You don't really mean it. I mean it with everything in me. Lord, that you're proud of me and I get you glory, if I can get you more glory, that will satisfy more by me giving it to you than working to uh, try to get a bunch of applause from a bunch of people who are in the same struggle I am and all of us are lying to each other telling us how special we are. You know, but when our head hits the pillow, we know the real. I wanna get down to the real. So when I say purpose, I'm talking about God's purpose for you being here not, not you're special and you deserve it, okay? All right. Uh, take your next step, serve. Okay, uh, uh, enough, enough, enough. Uh, so as we enter into this week and you begin to open your heart to say, Lord, I want to fulfill the purpose of God for my life. I want you to flow in and through me. I want to know how to get on the process. Where do I serve? How do I start and all that? Something struck me that isn't in your book this week. Oh, by the way, I was supposed to tell you, we are out of the English versions of this. We'll get some more in by next week, but you can, you can, you can follow us o- online. You can get it on the website. I believe it's on the app. I think it's on both. So uh, anyway, we'll have some more hard, hard copies, uh, or you could learn Spanish. So <laughs> something, uh, something about the purpose of God that Elisha did that I think is not instinctive, it's not intuitive to us, is what I want to get us started on as we get into this year. He said, it says that, here's how he started, he went to mom and dad and kissed them goodbye, kissed the inheritance probably goodbye, kissed it all, it's drastic. But then he went and he burned the plow and boiled the ox. Everybody say, burn the plow. 
Say, boil the ox. (laughs) What he was saying is, not only am I not doing this anymore, but I'm taking away every option to even turn back and do it, to, to return to it. I am leaving this. This is ending. And what I want to present to you is uh, it's, you know, when we get to the front of the year and we've got our journals in 37 days and we start praying for God to give us direction and purpose, you're gonna bubble up a lot of great ideas. And starting things is fun, right? It's exciting. Here's a new idea and we're gonna do this and we're gonna do that. I know if I get our creative team and get some pastors around a table and we start dreaming a little bit and start thinking of new initiatives, it is, it is fun to go, yeah, we can do that, and then get the graphics guy in here, and we can do it that and jazz that up, and here's how we'll market it. And starting things is very intuitive, and it's, it's easy to get everybody excited, and uh, man, look what we're gonna do. The real unintuitive, uh, counterintuitive, is knowing how to intentionally end something that has run its course. Now, I'll put all cards on the table here. Um, This this first part of the year, I started doing all all I'm wanting all of you to do. Man, I'm praying, God, we're not grand end zone. This year, 2020, what do I, Randy Harvey, need to do? No one else can do. What do I need to get done that'll make the church better, make our lives better, you know, that moves the football? You know, thinking short term. Next six, 12 months, next six months, next six weeks. That's how my mind works. So what do I need to do in those slots to move forward in your purpose? And uh, man, I started writing ferociously, praying ferociously, getting excited. God gave me three areas that are key that make this church better, make us stronger, we'll reach more people, more people will be restored to God, your lives will get better, you will get better at restoring people to God and to the life God called them to live. It'll prepare us for our new building and the new growth and all that. You know, I'm just right, I'm just excited. Oh, yes, God, yes, 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 yes. Burn stuff up, fire, vision, and all of that uh, until about a week after I'm thinking of all this and planning one of those. In fact, the first thing that I'm to tackle, I realized this time last year, I wrote the exact same thing. Now, it's funny to you. I wrote the exact same thing. I went, wait a minute, no wonder I'm fired up about this. This has needed my attention for one full year. And I realize, I can't believe the year has gone by. It's just blown by. And I, I can remember thinking a couple of times this year, man, okay, so we got, okay, Easter's coming up and we got this and I gotta go to this meeting, I got dinners here and we gotta, but once we get done with that and the elders meeting and this, oh, and got the builders out, got the architect meeting, but after that, Man, I'm gonna set aside something. I'm gonna get this. Oh, there's summer. That's coming at us right there. Okay, got camps, got kids, got all that stuff. But right after, you know, when I get back from vacation, right there in August, we're starting the Christmas rush and we got 37 days to prepare for. But as soon as I get a little break here and I realize I have run all the way around here, here's the deal with the purpose of God. Now, when you're eternal, it doesn't matter. But when you're on a clock, it matters. You know what I'm saying? He didn't have a clock up there. He's like, well, one year's the same as another to me. But that's a year off of my life. And here's, here's the truth. I've got to intentionally end some things. And if I don't, 
in 2021, I'll just play this message and I won't even show up. Because what God needs me to do, that's his purpose, it's gonna be his purpose next year unless I get this next step done. I started this week, in fact, met with one of the ministries that I've been over since before I was pastor. And a capable pastor oversee it, and now we've got an elder and a committee that's gonna be overseeing this thing. Everything in me wants to reach and touch and you know, I've built, a, you know, I've set that budget aside. I mean, all these people that are in this ministry, I've, ah, but I, I got to walk, I got to burn the plow and boil the ox. And some of you in here need to do exactly the same thing, right? Dr. Lenny, I see Dr. Lenny looking at me. Dr. Lenny has helped me a lot. And he's a godsend to us and he's a godsend to me. And, and I'm telling you, for this very season right now, Pastor Reggie, these guys are are kindly but firmly encouraging. Let it go. You have a capable staff. Let it go. And it's not just to let it go. It's because there's things that'll make everything better. They're the purpose of God. But if I don't, and here's the principle, prune. Everybody say prune. It's all through, it's all through the scripture. Let me read you a couple of places here. One is in Ecclesiastes. You guys thought this was a a song from the birds, but clearly Solomon had AM radio. He writes this. For everything there's a season, a time of every activity under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, time to plant, time to harvest, time to kill, time to heal, a time to tear it down, time to build it back up, Time to cry, time to laugh, time to grieve, time to dance, time to scatter stones, time to gather stones, a time to embrace, a time to turn away. This is relationally. A time to search and a time to stop searching. A time to keep and a time to throw it away. Time to throw it away. Any hoarders in the room? That's all right. That message was, that scripture's for you. Second scripture, this is out of John 15. This is Jesus talking. He says, I'm the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. So here's the two things he cuts. If it stops producing fruit, you cut it. But I love it. I like doing it. It's just somebody's gonna be disappointed. We've done this for years. If it stops producing fruit, cut it. Think about it in your life. Right, And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce more, okay? Pruning, this is a principle all through, all through life and it's all through nature, and that is that in the plant world especially, Stacey and I, we've got these two uh, oak trees that hang right over our driveway. They're acorn oaks, right? They drop, at one time, millions of acorns onto our driveway, and so to fix that, we thought, let's get the tree trimmer, let's get him all fired up and tell him, go up about 12 feet from the first branch and cut everything that hangs over that driveway because our cars are getting pelted, the cement is crushed with nasty, just, I mean, acorn ook, and so we have to get it power washed, it's just, anyway. So this is the solution, cut it. So can anybody, did anybody know what happened? We cut that thing up probably 15 feet. That tree was ugly as sin when we got it all cut it up. 
But we're thinking, problem solved. We get around to the deep fall of the next year. It, it was like Armageddon. It was like one of the bowls of wrath that God had opened, an acorn bowl. And they, they dumped out by the billions. We, we can shovel. I'm not joking now. We can take shovelfuls. I had to do this about every other week because I put them in the trash can. Shovelfuls of acorn, and I'm looking and going, how did that happen? Our, our squirrels have you know, eating disorder counseling because of so much, so many acorns. We're dumping all these acorns. Here's the thing. If you want something to produce more, you prune it back, and what it does is it takes all the resources that were getting wasted spread out, it concentrates them so that they can produce more. God put this principle in everything. In a rose bush, if you're trying to get, and I would encourage you in this, uh, those of you that owns businesses and uh, that lead people, there's a book by uh, Dr. Um, Cloud called Necessary Endings. Necessary endings. Man, this will be so helpful to you. He gives the example, though, of, of people that grow champion roses. They get these roses and they prune, but here's the thing. They don't prune it because something's wrong. The things you need to cut out of your life, the hardest things are the ones where there's really nothing wrong with them. They say, why, why, do you, why do you trim these things back? Well, you trim them back, not because there's anything wrong with them, but because there's too many of them, and you take away the good ones so that the buds that could be great get the nourishment that they need because what you're going after is not a big bush full of good roses. You're looking for a bush that's got some very specific championship roses. So you cut away a lot of good ones so that the great ones can go. Example was giving. Uh, he, he saw this in a, a company. Uh, Cloud had a friend who had, bought a company that was annual revenues $25 million. Over five years, the company went from 25 million to 500 million. Seven, eighth year, they start closing in on a billion, and Henry uh, sits down with him and says, man, Tim, what, what did you do? He said, well, here's what I did. When I bought the company, I looked at the entire uh, percentage of the company and realized the life, listen to this language, the life of the life of our company was in 20% of the company. And so I got our our, our our management team together and told them, by this time next year, I want this other 80%, I want you to eliminate all these product lines and all of this stuff here. We're gonna put all of our resources into this 20%. Henry asked him, so that other 80% was not profitable. He said, no, it was all profitable. It was all profitable. It's just that, and I love the term, the life of the life. And what he meant was, in 10 years, what's gonna be bringing life isn't this other 80%. The life of the life of the company is in this 20%. So trying to do a bunch of things good aren't gonna get us to great in the future. So he eliminated good so that the life of the life, here's what I'm gonna ask you. Hardest thing for you to get out of your life and mine is not bad things. I mean, you need to get bad things out and they can be tough. The really tough thing is what are the good things you're doing that just really aren't, have nothing to do with the purpose of God for your life? Couple of, let me give you a couple of practicals. Couple of practicals. One would be 
we're in, a, we're in a culture that celebrates busy. If you're not doing something, you should be doing. If you're not doing it, you should be on the phone, be answering emails, be answering those texts. Be sure, by, by the way, as soon as it rings, you answer it. Bing, bing, oh my God. We are, we are spread so thin and we worship it like being busy makes you uh, productive. Busy's just busy. Let me ask you this. This time next year, what is it you're spending energy on that if you don't change it, this time next year, you're gonna be in exactly the same place? And here's what it's called, busy. Yeah, but if I'm busy, I feel productive. How you feel has nothing to do with anything. Are you productive? What's getting produced? The Bible says that he will prune back branches that are producing fruit. He'll actually prune those back. They'll get ugly for a short run so that in the long run they can produce. The, the word I loved from Necessary Endings was this. In your life, what, where's the life of your life at? Not 20 things. Where's the one or two things where you're built to make a difference? And what has to happen now so that that happens? And I'll tell you, it's probably not gonna be easy. So in your calendar, just pull out your calendar, all your obligations. You have to be on 14 committees. You have to be you know, at all your kids' practices, their soccer, their football, their basketball, their you know, fiddle lessons or whatever you got them in. Uh, you gotta be there. Uh, you know, Obviously, we've gotta look at the season of life you're in. If, you're, if you've got small kids, your purpose is to raise your children in the fear of the Lord so that when they're old, they won't depart from it. That's your purpose. It's not forever, but that's your purpose. And so looking at the seasons of your life are very important as well. But what's on your calendar that somebody else could handle or you could get off of it, right? This would be a tough one. You gotta golf every weekend. Is it the season for you to be giving yourself to? I mean, and it might be. Uh, you know, I used to fish when my kids were young, very, very young. I was addicted to fishing. I loved it, Lo uh, loved it. If I got a waking second, I was gone. Began to realize, though, as I, I see my precious wife with these three kids, young, and you know, she's working as hard as she can, I realized, you know what? This season of my life is not fishing season. It's, it's helped my sweet wife raise these great sons, all right? You can do the math here in your own mind. Entertainment, uh, all your gizmos and gadgets and, you know, whatever, a plenty, all, all your stuff. Do you need all that? Do you gotta watch eight hours of TV in, at night to, to go to bed? Think of your time, because here's the deal. Your life comes down to really one thing, time. What are you doing with it? I'm praying and waiting for God. You need to stop waiting. While you're waiting, cut some things. All right, secondly, relationships. This is just so practical, gang, but relationships. Uh, very difficult in a Christian culture because we feel like it, it, if somebody needs help, we ought to help them. So a little lesson from Pastor Randy. First started pastoring. Man, I'm thinking, you know, if a guy needs a coat, give him your shoes too. If he asks you to walk a mile, walk two and all that. I did everything when we first started church, like most pastors do. I oversaw all the benevolence and all of that. So I'm counseling with this couple, and they were just pitiful. They were just pitiful. And uh, so I was trying to help them with their marriage, and then all of a sudden, hey, we're a little short on the rent this month. It's like, no problem. I'll oversee that. Let me fix that for you. And it felt good. Man, we're a church. We're getting started. We're able to help people. Look what we're doing. And pretty much anybody that knocked on that door, 
Uh, they could be an alien from a foreign country. I don't mean a foreign country. I mean an actual alien. They could be an alien, like with, you know, things. And uh, man, I was just like, how can we help you? And some of you are thinking, what a horrible steward. I had covering. But nonetheless, my heart was so compassionate, I thought, well, how can I not? So six months into this relationship, counseling this couple, they're not getting better, but their financial needs are getting bigger. And so now we're paying all the rent every other month and all this, and then we go on. We're, we're, so bottom line, after year two, I'm sorry, after year two, I realize my helping is not helping. It looks all Christian, sounds all Christian, but... I'm burning time and resources. And okay, so does anybody understand what the word codependent? You understand what that means? Basically, it means this you have a need to be needed. You have a need to be the answer to somebody you, for purpose. Let's say it that way. And you feel purpose when you're taking on somebody else's challenge. They have needs that they don't want to be responsible for. Marriage made in heaven. I started, they would leave my office and I would throw things because I'd be so mad. And I, and I said things to them that as a young pastor, I could get away with, I couldn't get away with it now. I said things that, that they made me so mad because I started realizing, and here's what I said, I am working harder to pray for you than you are. And I'm working harder to find money for you than you are. And they'd leave my office, but I didn't know what to do with it. I thought, well, being Christian means you just, and here's what I realized. That's exactly right. And that's the point when I realize being involved with them, my helping was not helping. Because what I was doing was, here's the deal. The Bible says this, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory, okay? So pastor, isn't that what you were doing? No, you know what? They didn't have any needs. I had needs because I was taking all of their needs and laying awake at night worrying about their problems and they know they could come to Pastor Randy and because Pastor Randy hadn't matured enough yet, Pastor Randy wasted time with somebody. It wasn't all wasted, but there was a point where it was like, I told him, look, this will be your last check. And it's weird how they stopped coming to the church right after that. Two years, been on the payroll just about, but that's not the point. The point was this. I, I gave them the biggest check I could give them. Actually, it wasn't a check. The best gift I could give them was this. The pressure to solve their own problem because as long as I'm the one reaching for his supply, they would never know what that felt like. Many of us in here, we all have adult, many of us have adult children. So all, all, of, all of us are going to feel a little weird for just a second here. Stacy and I, we've, we've had to dance around and figure out when are we helping, when do we involve, when do we stay out of the way, and it ain't perfected by any stretch. But we've started a prayer, probably the last number of months, we've started a prayer. I can see my son under press, my sons, all three of them, in different ways. I can see them under pressure. And here's, here's what I know about me. Their discomfort creates discomfort for me. And I don't want to be discomforted. So if I can solve their problem, that solves my problem. 
and I am a wonderful codependent. I am great at this. And no parent likes to see their child suffer or under pressure. My baby boy and his precious, one of my perfect daughter-in-laws, good Lord, my daughter-in-laws are just, they are unbelievable. You guys that are praying for your sons, whatever we did, just do that. I don't even know what we did. We're just so blessed, my precious daughter-in-laws. Anyway, so uh, these two babies, they go up to Alabama to go back to school, and uh, when they got there, uh, they... Uh, there was an apartment faux pas. Whatever apartment they had set up uh, didn't work out and somebody had done them wrong. And so they had about three days to find an apartment, get settled in, get their money back from the shyster, all this. When, when they called and said, hey, this has happened, I was, I was on this looking for, for airline tickets. I'm there. I'm out. We're there. I'm, Daddy's coming. They're what? Daddy is on the way. 22-year-old. Daddy is on the way. This is not going to happen. And my perfect daughter-in-law, that is not, daddy is on the way. And uh, I mean, here's the deal. Thank God. And uh, good counsel from wife. And just talking it through, realize, wait a minute. They can handle this. They got this. They didn't want us up there. Well, my daughter-in-law did because she's perfect. But anyway. <laughs> But they wanted us up there to go play and eat. They didn't. Man, they jumped on the ball. They got their money back. They, they did it. They were in an apartment in Florida. They did it. You know, us going with our checkbook to go, we just, and we could have. Do you know what would have been the worst thing we could do for them? We gave them the best gift we did, and that is to stay out of the way. Let them pray. Let them figure out how to draw on God. Let them have the testimony of going, we prayed. God opened the door. Look at that. Us getting in the middle of it, fixing and fixing and fixing. Okay, so enough said. Let me ask you a question. Are you attached in some relationships and resources coming out of your life, and you're doing all the work? Do you know that it's okay to walk away? You know, Jesus didn't chase the rich young ruler down to go, oh, please. He said, look, here's how it's going to go. You got to sell everything you have. That's what it's going to cost to follow me. And the guy couldn't do it. Jesus didn't say, oh, we'll change the rules. Guy walked away. The prodigal son, the father in the, in the story of the prodigal son, the father didn't go get him when he was in the pig pen. He gave him the gift of being in the pig pen. And here's what happened. In the pig pen, the boy came to himself. He came to himself. It's a tricky one, and I don't have answers for everything. I just know this. In our Christian culture, we can be so compassionate that we get in the way, and we start burning resources. And it only takes a couple of these relationships, and it spends all your time. I'm speaking to somebody. Take these examples, just would you? There's some hard work that has to be done to, to cut off, to burn some plows and boil some oxen, to, to be done with a season so that you can free up the resource of you. You're a steward of you. You're the best resource and the greatest resource God ever gave you, and you'll be accountable for you. And a part of being a resource is knowing when to invest and when not to. And there's only one of you. So there will be necessary endings in the purpose of God for your life. And it'll be uncomfortable. Why don't we do it more often? 
for me, guilt. I'm going to let somebody down. And can I just be straight with you? I've had to let people down so many times in growing in ministry. Somebody's disappointed with me. You know what? I survived. This year, I'm going to have to directly disappoint some people who want me to be at something, who expect me to be there. Big picture, for the purpose of God, for the kingdom, Randy Harvey's got one life, and so do you. And I got to take the plane up to 30,000 feet and go, what's the one or two things I have to do? And it will mean leaving some things that are good, but they're not mine. Maybe a difficult talk, but I think this could be freeing for some folks in the room today as you prepare to get into 2020. You're just drugged down by, you're just too busy, too overly spread out. So I just want to pray for you. Why don't you stand to your feet? Prayer teams, come to the front. Let's just open to the Holy Spirit and just ask him to begin this week. I believe some things are going to pop up where you're going to realize, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm just not going to do it. Father, we open to you and we realize that we're a resource. We're a kingdom resource. And many of the lives in this room right now are tired. Some from carrying burdens that were never intended to be theirs. Lord, some from being so spread out that we're trying to do good, but we're trying to do too much good in too many areas. I thank you right now, God, that you would begin to show us what do we prune out of our life? What has to stop so we can get done what is for this one year? We're asking for the purpose of God this year. I'm praying this over every individual in this church. What's got to get done in the next six months and in the next six weeks so that this year can be on track for whatever you've called us to. Lord, these are difficult decisions. Lord, I pray for a grace and a strength. And Lord, just thank you, God, that you would help us sort through our lives and get freed up from things that aren't producing any fruit and things that are good, but they're not on our plate, not ours to do. I just speak a wisdom over us as we get into this week right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, lastly, there's some folks in this room that have actually never returned to you. Their hearts are not even potentials for being affirmed by you, and they need to be saved. So with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I wanna lead the whole church through a prayer of salvation. And if you're here today, and you've never received Jesus Christ as Savior, though this wasn't a gospel message per se, the Holy Spirit has been dealing with you while we've been in this room. And you're thinking, man, this is all good, but how do I get saved? This moment is yours. This is the day of salvation today, and the Holy Spirit has heard your heart, and he's here to restore you to God and to the life God called you to live. So all heads bowed, all eyes closed, everybody praying with me. Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner, and I've sinned against you, and I'm fully responsible. Please forgive me. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He lived for me, and he bled for me, and he died for me to pay for all of my sin so that I could get saved. 
I believe you raised him from the dead. And I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I surrender my life, my everyday life, and my eternal life. It's all yours. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If that was you and you just prayed that prayer and you meant it, would you boldly lift your hand to say, I just gave my life to Christ? Man, that's so good. So good. Praise God. All right, you can put your hands down, everybody looking at me. Uh, praise God. Those of you that gave your life to Christ, what you saw in the first uh, the service right there of getting baptized, that's going to be your next step. We'll be announcing soon the next baptism, so that'll be your next step, and we'll help you with that. There's also a card that says, I said yes, in the, in the, in the chair in front of you. Would you just fill that card out and drop it on the, ta on the table in the foyer? That way we can get in contact with you and help coach you up just a little bit. Everybody else, it's time to bring our offerings and our tithes. I want to pray over that, and then we're going to be done for the day. Father, in the name of Jesus, it is our joy and great honor to bring our tithe, the first 10%, our first and best. We make you first in our finances, and it brings such peace over all of it. Thank you that your blessing is then on the 90%, and it goes so much further. Lord, we bring our tithes and our offerings in full faith that the promises are true that you open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing we cannot contain. And so thank you for that, Lord God. Bless the giving, bless the gifts, bless our missionaries, bless the building project, bless it all and bless these families, Lord. We thank you and honor you. Bless this week for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Find more of our podcasts on iTunes or in our audio library at thecrossing.cc.